Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, National Spokesperson for the USDA, Biosecurity for Birds Program, and Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at KalmbachFeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, Feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer. All right, thank you very much for uh, staying with us. we got a great show lined up for you today. We've got poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D., and we're talking all about broiler chickens or raising meat chickens. You know, there's the dual-purpose birds. Um, you could even actually uh, process a laying hen. Um, they're the specific broiler chickens. But today we're going to be talking about raising meat birds. So you can categorize into that whatever you like, dual-purpose, specifically broilers, um, or maybe um, uh, just a, a layer that for some reason uh, you've got that you want to now process and, and have for dinner. So I know this show's not for everybody because a lot of you uh, love your pets. They're named. I get it. Um, but you know what? It's amazing. I was talking uh, last night about this very topic that it's amazing how many people uh, are now processing their birds out of their backyard who never would have dreamed they would be doing that. Um, any time in their life. And, and then they have started just a curiosity with, with a few um, birds they got at the feed store, or um, maybe they order online. And they have birds that are named. They're pets. They, they you know, they, they have swings for them. And uh, they're truly their pets. They could never, ever fathom doing anything with them. But guess what? 
um, over the two, three, four years, they, they start doing research about raising the meat birds. And lo and behold, more people now are raising a few backyard birds to process, to put on the table um, than ever before, I guess we should say, at least in this current movement. And, and again, these are people that never dreamed they would be doing this, and now they've got meat birds. So it really is uh, quite amazing. And uh, um, they'll still tell you, oh, I, well, believe me, I've got my pets, and they're named, and I love them, and, but, but I can want to continue to raise food for my family. I want to know where it comes from. I feel like by knowing what's going into my chickens, I know what's coming out of my chickens, not only the egg, but if I process them and we have them for supper, uh, we know what kind of quality of uh, food that we're getting. So uh, this is a um, – we've covered this topic before in the past. It's been a little while. But uh, it's going to go great with this summer's issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine. We've got uh, Lisa Pedro that's actually going to be doing uh, a, a review, a product review, on a brand new, newly released, newly designed chicken plucker. That's going to be in the summer issue. We're giving away one of these pluckers in the summer issue. We're actually, I have um, a gentleman who actually tours. He is a professional barbecuer. He does professional barbecue competitions, and he's going to be telling us uh, some trade secrets about sauce and, 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 and barbecuing. Hey, it's a summer issue. Summer is for barbecuing, right? So this, this episode is going to line in right with that, um, that whole summer issue. So we're really looking forward to that. So get the pens out. Get the paper out. We're going to go to a commercial break here in just a second, and I'm going to give uh, Dr. McRae a little reminder call. I talked to her yesterday. She was excited about the show. And um, we're ready to roll with this. But I'm going to go to our first commercial break, kind of get that out of the way. You go and get that pen and paper so you can take some notes. We're going to talk about raising, again, raising meat birds, which could include, include broilers or the uh, dual purpose or even some, some laying hens that you had some extra ones, and you're going to process those. And um, let's see, we're going to be, and maybe even if we have time today, about processing. So, uh, hey, that's what we're going to be talking about today. So uh, get that pen and paper ready. We're going to go to commercial break, and we'll be back to talk all about raising meat birds right after this short break from our sponsors. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. The Yard Bird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in less than 15 seconds. 
The compact size makes it easy to transport and easy to store. The one and a half horsepower motor and 20 inch stainless steel tub can handle two eight pound birds at the same time. There are no belts or pulleys to wear out and no adjustments necessary, which makes it virtually maintenance free. For more information about how you can own this must-have chicken processing product, visit YardbirdChickenPluckers.com today. That's YardbirdChickenPluckers.com. Just a cap full a day directly into their water is all it takes for a stronger immune system. Introducing ePoultry, an all-natural, whey-based soluble that will help improve your flock's overall health. Made by farmers for farmers right here in the USA. ePoultry is a safe, all-natural way to give your birds the strong immune system they deserve. Learn more and purchase at www.eanimalproducts.com. That's www.eanimalproducts.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky... You'll know it's... Super Chicken. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper brought to you by Combox Foods. Um, hey, let me tell you, we uh, crazy broadcasting live uh, in in the tour vehicle right now. Uh, we are on the 2016 Spring Chicken Whisperer Tour. Uh, again, sponsored by Calm Box Feeds, and we've got three events uh, knocked out and out of the way. We've got one tonight. I am broadcasting live from Jamesville, Wisconsin, right now. Uh, just got done stuffing my face with some lunch really quick. Pulled off the highway, <laughs> right where we're staying, actually. I'm in the hotel parking right now. But uh, And ate at a restaurant called uh, Culver's. Never done that before. It's kind of maybe a little, little God, for, for fast food upscale, maybe, or whatnot, grilled chicken. How about that? But, um, but nevertheless, I had to get over here to the car, plug everything in, get up, get connected, and we are now broadcasting live from Janesville, Wisconsin. We've had some great turnouts uh, on this tour. We had 35 on the first stop. We had 55 on the second stop. We had about, uh, I think, 25 last night. 
And tonight in Jamesville, we don't really know what to expect. I will have in attendance, in fact, we may give them a few minutes to speak, a Jamesville City Council member that's going to be in our event. Uh, Backyard Poultry was just passed this year uh, here in Jamesville, Wisconsin, and he's going to be there maybe explaining some of the new rules, saying, hey, don't forget about this, don't forget about that. Uh, Maybe there are permits involved. I don't know because I'm not from here. And then we're going to get right into my presentation, getting started with Backyard Poultry Workshop. There will be a book signing. There will be pictures. There will be autographs. There will be free Chicken Whisperer magazines, free information from USDA about biosecurity. There's going to be refreshments. We've got prizes to give away. It's going to be a fun time tonight, and uh, um, let me see. I think that's going to be at Jack and Dick's Feed and More here in Janesville, Wisconsin. I don't have my places mixed up with my dates. So um, definitely looking forward to tonight's event. It starts at 6 p.m. Now, we're central time now, and that's one reason why I was rushing to get the radio show uh, all together because it's only 112 here instead of 212, I guess, Eastern Standard. We always broadcast Eastern Standard Time. So I was like, whoops, got to go, and uh, left the kids over there with the wife and uh, finishing up. They get apparently a free ice cream cone with the kids' meal. So they were finishing that up. I said, see you at the hotel. So we are here. Yep, we don't have the RV this trip because we've got event after event after event after event after event. So we're hoteling it this time, and so far we've had pretty good success picking some out. So, um but, yeah, so uh, Janesville, Wisconsin, here we are. Looking forward to the event tonight. Got a great show lined up today. Like I said earlier, hope you got your pens and papers ready. Raising meat birds, which, again, could include broilers, um, could include um, a dual-purpose birds. Maybe you got a little bit too many rows, and, hey, you're going to put some in the freezer. Uh, our guest today is poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D., State University, co-author of the Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, and I'm going to bring her on the air right now. Hi, hey, Andy. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, glad to do it. And what a topic that is so relevant to what my class just finished up doing, raising broilers. Great. Got to love it. Awesome. Well, if... If your listeners are used to keeping a flock of laying hens, they're going to be surprised at the major differences that exist between a meat chicken and a laying hen. Now, I'm sure, you know, you buy a bag of feed every so often for your laying hens, and, you know, maybe for 10 or 12 birds you buy a bag once every two weeks or so, and that does the trick. Well, depending on if you have 10 or 12 uh Broilers, you may be buying, um, you know, a couple of bags for them to go through every few days, especially as they get closer to market weight. Um, so I'll be sharing some some information. Uh, but before I get started, Andy, did you have any particular questions that you wanted me to address as I go through the topic of broiler chicken raising today? Well, I've, I've experienced that a couple of times, and one time, the first time we experienced it was totally by mistake. <laughs> this is really early on. I mean, this was maybe 10 years ago, and uh, I found some birds on Craigslist, and they were being advertised on Craigslist as white leghorns, white leghorns. 
Yeah, there you go, baby. And so we were going up to a poultry show. A, uh, I think it was an ABA um, uh, poultry show, and we went there. We said, hey, this is only another about 20 minutes up the road. So let's go up there. I called them. They're still available. Yes, they are. I think they were actually free. And um, so <laughs> after the poultry show, we headed on up there, and, and me and Jen got out of the car, and we're looking, and he showed us these so-called uh, white leggings. And, um, you know, they... <laughs> they looked pretty big for a white legger, but they, they were still, you know, small. They were not near process uh, date. And um, I don't remember how old they were. Actually, this is a long time ago, uh, maybe a, a week, two weeks old. And so we loaded them up in the vehicle, got them back to our house, and um, I, I just... Wow. The rest is history, like, right? <laughs> yeah, I was like... I, I remember, I said, Jim... These birds are eating us out of house and home. They are drinking us out of house and home. They, they, oh, my gosh, the amount of food they would eat, the amount of water they would drink, and the amount of, that they would poop was oh, yeah. out of this world. Out of this world. And so <laughs> then I said, mine are getting awfully big. And Jen kind of connected with them because all they would do, she'd walk in the pan, feed water, whatever, visit them. And they would come up to her literally and just kind of lean up against her leg to take care Just lean up her. And she it was so cute and so loving that they would come up and just lean love on her. Yeah, they, they love the meat you put in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that, that said, you know, Jen, I said, I, I really don't think these are white leggings. I think we've got some boilers on our hands. And but, uh, God, that was a long time ago. But, yeah, that, that was the second issue that we raised some boilers. Um, which was just a couple of three years ago. Again, more educated on it, more researched, and, and we actually did a hundred of them, and we donated them to the community. And then I think I've been at another time where we processed them and put them in our freezer. And um, so I do have some experience with it. What I'm going to do is um, I know that Lisa is listening and tuning in. Because one reason why I wanted to do the show today is she's doing the um, article for us in the summer issue regarding this plucker that she's reviewing and testing out. Ah. She's raising meat birds, the whole And so I'm going to call in, too, and bring maybe her live if, if she can. Lisa, let's see if she's over in the uh, chat room. And um, she is maybe – Lisa, if you can call into the show, you may have some specifics. I, I, I told her, I said, we'll, we'll let Dr. McCray do her thing, and then at the end of the show, uh, she'll be, of course, taking notes and all. If she had anything <laughs> that we didn't cover, um, I, I have a question, though, that was asked in one of my, uh, just in the last three days during my class, and it was somebody that was raising, um, what was she raising? Now, let me think. I get, the, the bottom line with the question was, does she have to feed game bird starter or, or broiler, you know, um, feed um, if she's not wanting or she shouldn't care if they're ready in five weeks, like like, like the commercial broilers. She, she, she didn't care if they're ready in eight weeks or 12 weeks or 16 weeks. So she was wondering, does she have to spend that extra money on 28% protein broiler feed um, versus just the regular old feed if she doesn't really care when they get big enough to process? And so that was her question. And then uh, let me get over here and see if maybe um, – uh, I know she's tuning in. Three, if you don't know the number, Lisa, sorry, 347-637-3237. 
347-637-3237. She may not be where she can call in, so we're going to have you go ahead and get started. But that, that was one question I had while on tour this trip, actually. And um, but, but Lisa, I know she's, I told her, I said, you know, well, we'll have you call in. And she's in the chat, so I can get questions from the chat room okay. as well. Um, throughout the time, so we'll just we'll get uh, started we'll get with that started. way. And if she she gets a big long question, maybe she'll have an opportunity yeah. to call in. If not, she that can great. she can start typing until her fingers yeah. wear wear down the nubs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for those of you who are lovers of chicken meat as well as chicken eggs, um, one of the things I'll say is don't be afraid to start raising meat chickens. They are relatively easy, and you're done in about two months, Mm -hmm. if not less, depending on what you want. If you want Cornish game hens, you're done in four weeks, four or five weeks. If you want broilers, you're done in six, six or seven weeks. If you want roasters, you're going to go a little longer, maybe eight weeks, nine if you have to. But if you go really beyond that, if you go beyond nine or maybe even ten weeks, depending on what you're doing and their growth rate and if weather's affecting them. If you go beyond that, then you start to kind of treat them like breeders, and that is a completely different management plan from the start, from the get-go. So you gotta you got to think about your, your, your end in mind. So the day you place the order for your meat chickens, you also have to place an order at the processing plant, or at least put it on your calendar when you're going to process these birds at home. Contact your local processing plant ahead of time. Find out if they have that date available or that week available, or if you've got to keep them an extra week or go early or what. Um, Because this is the time of year when you're not the only one who's going to be raising meat chickens. Everybody's got 100, 200, 500 chickens that they're going to want to put through the plant, and you all got to line up. And so you got to make sure you can get in when you need to get in, as well as place. So you're going to make that phone call the same day you make the phone call for your baby chicks, okay? So keep that thought process in mind. Set that day aside if you're going to be traveling very far, um, you know, write down in your calendar what day you're going to process so many birds and, and just make it, um, put it on the calendar and make a point to stick. Because if you go a little longer with these birds, um, then you're going to have to start pulling feedback from them and you may lose some yield and some, you know, these things are made to grow. So mm-hmm. think about that process, put it on your calendar. Do you have a pen set up? The day before you get your chicks, just like you would for your la- your laying hens, you want to make sure everything is set up and good to go. Fresh, clean water. Food is always in front of them. And you got to make sure that um, they have access to the food. So those little trays that have the slide tops, either red plastic or aluminum, Andy, um, Put two or three of those down. I'm going to say most people would start with probably 25 broiler chickens. That's mm-hmm. a good start. You're probably not going to get into a local processing plant with so few. Most of them have a minimum order of 25. Um, and when I say processing plant, I'm usually talking something that's USDA inspected. You might have a local person who will do it um, for the cheap, but you can't cross state lines with it unless it's USDA inspected. Okay. 
So think about that. Um, you may be able to sell it within the state or give it away to friends within the state if you um, if you find somebody who's not inspected. So yeah, it, it adds that level of complexity with the inspection portion as to whether you can sell the meat in state, cross state lines. Yes, no, and you know that's a lot of reasons why a lot of people don't do meat chickens because they don't want to deal with that. Um, one of the other things I'm going to talk to you about is feed. These chickens need to have feed in front of them all the time. And when I say all the time, I mean all the time. You don't ever, ever, ever let that feeder go empty because, you know, they, they get a little fierce. Uh, when it comes to refill on that feeder. And if that means twice a day you're carrying feed out there to fill that feeder up so it, make it makes it through the night, then do it. One of my favorite things are called tube feeders. They're galvanized metal. They're about, well, the ones we use at the university hold about 35, 40 pounds. And that's great for two or three days. It'll last these chickens at least two days of having um filling it up when they are close to processing. And, uh, yes, 25 birds can go through 35, 40 pounds in a couple of days, especially when they get close to week six or longer. So, like I said, these are eating machines. So what do you put into this eating machine? Well, as I've mentioned before, feed comes in three different forms, mash, crumbles, and pellets. Uh, I do not recommend mash because of the the feed wastage that does occur. Um, I do like crumbles, and you can keep them on crumbles all the way through until the day they're processed. But when they're about four weeks old, they should be large enough that you could switch them to pellets if you wanted to. That would not be a problem. So, And when you do switch feeds from a starter to a grower, um, or from crumbles to pelleted, you want to do that switch over gradually over the course of a week so it doesn't startle them with a big change um, because these birds would kind of, um, although I don't think it, I, I think they figured it out real quick because, like I said, they're eating machines, but you don't want to, you don't want to um, shock them or anything like that. So in the first um, first 18 or so days, you want to start with, uh, so the first three weeks or so, um, you want to start with a starter. And from there, you can go to a grower. Um, and to answer um, the question that you said the lady asked you, should I invest in the more expensive feed? Well, if you think about it, unless you're getting a slow-growing breed, you want a higher percent protein for this fast-growing bird, or you're going to hold them back. So um, there are broiler diets out there, and Callbox sells a specific broiler diet. Go get it. It works great. And then after three weeks or so, then you can switch them to the grower and just maintain that up until when you need to process them, your processing day. So, yes, I would say... Try to meet the growth requirements of fast-growing broiler strains. Now, there are many broiler strains out there. There's red broilers. There's dark broilers. There's also slow-growing broilers. 
And if you shop around at local hatcheries or go online to some of the larger hatcheries like McMurray, Stromberg's Ideal, you're going to see that they, they list some of these alternative broilers. Um, we're starting to to show um, more and more research on the slow-growing broilers or red rangers or red broilers or dark broilers, what dark-feathered birds. Um, but if you want to be done and you want a, an easy first experience, you want to go ahead and just do fast-growing broilers. Done in a couple of months. You've got your freezer full. Move on. You can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to tell people to expect mortality with broilers, especially if you're doing this with a backyard flock. Um, and mortality happens. These birds are designed for optimal growth conditions inside a broiler house. Most of your listeners, Andy, aren't going to provide that. So you are going to experience mortality. You want to keep your mortality at or below 5%. Um, but things happen. Um, sometimes you get a bird that just has uh, poor growth. Uh, you can tell that it's being held back. You may choose to, to process those birds earlier if you think that they may suffer because you're raising the, the feeders up higher and higher and higher for the rest of the flock. That bird could be your Cornish game hen. And you might be able to give that to someone who would just be delighted with that type of bird. And it'll be young and tender and wonderfully delicious. Um, but you will have mortality. And I found in my studies that my mortality is much higher with the broilers than with the heritage breed birds. And that has been published in Journal of Applied Poultry Research. And then we're going to be putting out a couple more publications. Hopefully this year, when things slow down a little bit in May, I'll be able to get those manuscripts written. We'll have more data out there for you, especially for you fans of Bard Plymouth Rocks and Buckeyes. So you're going to have to feed them according to their body's needs. And these birds for the last 60 years have been designed to have their every need met by the farmer. Water is always available. And they drink twice as much water as food that they eat. And like I said, these are eating machines. For example, um, we had a trial a couple years ago where, let's see, where's the, where's the, that's the wrong data. <laughs> Let me open up the right data. Um, when we look at feed consumption, let's see, pulling open, sorry about that, Andy. Okay, so um, if you looked at the total amount of feed consumed in six weeks, we had 30 broilers in each of four pens. In six weeks, they ate 803 pounds. Six weeks. 120 broilers. 800 pounds. Okay? So, I'm not saying that you need to do that, but you're going to be buying a lot of feed for these birds. Um Let's see, what else can I share with you as far as this particular trial? Um, so in for feed consumption, um, let me open the right one here. Here we go. For feed consumption, um, during week one, you were looking at 
you know, 12 pounds, 13 pounds, 11 pounds, thereabouts, um, maybe 10 pounds. So you're looking at, you're going to go through maybe one bag of starter for a, a pen of 25 broiler chickens. In week two, they were at 16 pounds, 15 pounds, 21, 20. Um, the next week after that, each pen was 25, 21, 31, 24. So... Then you'll switch to a grower. For the second half of this year, we ended up with some birds, you know, they were they were eating almost 60 or 50 or 60 pounds a week. Uh, so you've got to buy the right amount of feed. If you're putting your birds out on pasture, uh, they're going to grow much more slowly. Why? Well, they're moving around. Hmm. If they're in a pen, and this has been proven, if they're in a pen, what they do is they just eat and rest, and they put meat on. The more they move around, they're taking some of the energy that they would put into meat, and they're putting it into energy to move around. So it slows things down. That may be exactly what you're looking for. For some of you, nope, that may not be at all what you're looking for. But I want you to understand the differences so that you understand where your money's going. Uh, if you have a, a pen indoors and you're going to start them, like, say, in June or July, that's great for chicks. But after the first couple of weeks, they may start feeling awfully hot. And you've got to put a fan out there on them to keep the air flowing over them. And a simple box fan can really do the trick. But always making sure that they have fresh, cool, clean water is part of the equation. So if you've got a young person in your family who's looking for a summer project. Uh, around here in Delaware, we used to have something called the Junior Broiler Program, and it was hugely popular. We would uh, uh, give people 25 chicks, uh, and they had to bring back something like, um, or was it 50 chicks? I can't remember. But they had to bring back something like um, five carcasses, and they were all evaluated for uniformity, feed conversion ratio, all your data, and all that good stuff. Um, but it's a good summer project for a young person to really understand staying on top of bird care, bird welfare, how much these birds eat. But then again, it is done in two months, and they can kind of get along with the rest of the summer. If you want to go take a vacation after these birds are processed, go take that vacation. But it is a great way for young people to stay involved with their chickens and also understand where their food comes from. So other things that you need to consider, keeping them cool is part of it. I do not mean that it's got to be a perfect 75. Really, once it gets above 85 degrees Fahrenheit, then they're really struggling. And the higher the humidity, the harder it is for those birds to breathe. They sit down a lot, so they end up heating up the litter underneath them, especially as they get much older and they're trying to dissipate that heat. So making sure that that fan is on them and they stay cool. Misters can add uh, water to the litter and you can end up with an ammonia problem. Thank goodness there's products like Chick Flick out there to kind of counter that, especially might be something you still have to do, especially if you have one of those days that just hits far above 100 degrees and you're afraid the birds are going to, you know, you're going to lose the birds. Um, so... Feed is your biggest cost. It's going to be 60% of the total cost of everything. Um, 
you know, you're going to aim for an average five-pound weight, and you want to get there in about six or seven weeks. If you want to go larger, like, say, a roaster, you're going to go longer. Um, you want your feed conversion ratio below two, if possible. You want your mortality below 3%, if possible. But your feed conversion ratio, for those of you who are not aware, it means for every pound of feed, you get so many pounds of meat or eggs in return. And you really want um, – fish can be one-to-one. One. one pound of feed equals one pound of um, fish meat. For meat chickens, if you give them two pounds of feed and you get one pound of, of meat, that's pretty good. That's a two-to-one ratio. You want to get below that if at all possible, and let me tell you, some of these broiler strains can do it. Um, let's see, what else can I tell you about? Um, a lot of a lot of places will say, you know, they've got multi-stage feeding programs. Really, that two-stage feeding program will do you just fine. If you're going to go something like eight weeks, and there is a withdrawal feed or finisher feed for chickens out there, you may choose to use that in the last week or two weeks, um, especially if you're going out to something like seven or eight weeks. You might be able to fit that in. When you process your birds, <clears throat> you want to make sure you take food away from them so that there's no food in the gut when it's time for processing. You can take mm-hmm. it away from them, you know, four to 12 hours before processing, but never take water away from them in that period of time. They're still going to drink water, but you want that gut to be empty. If you go longer than 12 hours, then you start to experience some weakness of the gut, and then you'll increase the chances that it'll open and spill contents uh, onto a carcass that you're working with. Then you don't want to do that, especially if you're processing at home. Now, if you're paying somebody to do that, that's a whole different ballgame, and they're going to do all the work for you. Um other things to consider, uh, transport. You want to transport your birds in as cool a manner as possible. Um, if you've got them in the back of a truck in crates, um, that's great. There's plastic crates from companies like Cool Corporation that uh, you buy them and then you snap them together with a pair of pliers and they're easy to work with. Um, and they're also easy to hose out when you're all done because they're plastic, and they're um, just drying them, hosing them down and drying them in the sun is enough to, to reduce bacterial loads just fine. Um, but you want to keep them cool in transport. You may have to put um, some sort of tarp over them if you have to wait at the processor, uh, but you want plenty of fresh, cool, clean air moving over them uh, in transport, and you don't want them to have to wait and, and um, be in the beating down hot sun. Um Waterers. I like trough waterers. They work just fine. Nipple drinkers work well, too. Uh, nipple drinkers are great because a lot of them you can drop like a, a bottle of ice or ice cubes in there. Um, or you could take a water bottle, freeze it, stick it in the middle of the the um, uh, the container, whether it's a trough or or a nipple drinker, and it keeps it cool. If it's got a lid on it, you can just put the lid right back on, and it'll keep it cool a little bit longer on those hot, hot days. And then you've got a little more regulation to the temperature in there. Um, again, like any baby chick, 
These birds are going to have to have a warm start, so starting them in the summer could be an option if you're not going to provide supplemental heat. Uh, if you're going to start them in the winter, you've got to provide supplemental heat. And we've talked about how to mm-hmm. brood birds in the past, Andy, so I won't mm-hmm. rehash mm-hmm. that. Um, I don't have Blog Talk um, up. Did did she have any questions that I missed? She she said that you had already answered a lot of them. I know she's listening on her phone, actually. So I'll get back over here to the chat room. And open that up okay. and see if she has any questions. Uh, chat, there we go. And uh, so uh, because she's going through this right now, I'm not sure what breed she got or um, what type. I don't know how old they are right now. She can elaborate a little bit that in the uh, chat room. And, uh, okay, so she's going to call in, and uh, uh, there she is. Well, there okay, are so some she's... different genetics out there. I will at least share that much with you. And some of my friends... Um, are working with uh, some of these companies, but mostly for for meat bird genetics, they're focusing their efforts at breeding towards the people who are buying most of these chicks, which is the broiler industry. Um, however, like my student this summer, she's going to be working with Cobb, and so she should come back with some good stories. Maybe she could go on your show, Andy, and share her internship mm-hmm. experience with you. But a couple yeah, of names people gonna... could be familiar with are Cobb or mm-hmm. Ross. Yeah, Cobb. Um, yep, Cobb or Ross are companies that um, started in the in I think down south. But Aviagen also has other lines like uh, Arbor Acre or um, oh, let's see, yeah, there's Hubbard, there's uh, Indian River, which was the breed started here in Delaware. Um, but there you go. I've got a question before we bring Lisa on. Okay. What is, because uh, this subject has over the years kind of become near and dear to my heart, but what, I mean, when you, when you okay, you make the decision the night before, and you said, okay, tomorrow's processing day. Tomorrow is time they're, they're going to meet their demise and we're going to process. Um, from the time you walk out there, from calling to scalding to plucking to uh, um, everything. Uh, what is and which part of that along the way and how big of an issue is salmonella, campylobacter, things okay. like that. I want to let people know, to, you know, do we wear gloves? Do we need to cover our face from, from splashing? Um, ah. the sanitation, a- sanitation afterwards, um, you know, cuts on our hands because we know when we interviewed that family a while, uh, a few months ago, yeah. um, they, they, you know, he got uh, um, salmonella through a cut. So, so I just, again, to people know, to try to make it a little more official here, uh, that's, that topic's become near and dear to me and, and education, educating that. So uh, from I'm sorry, Andy, process, I was just talking about raising the birds. I didn't know you wanted me to go into processing the birds, but that's, you are 100% right. You are okay. 100% right. Um. So first things first, when it's processing day, you're going to go out there early and get that scald water started heating up. It's going to take an hour or so to heat up because you're probably going to have like a big pot of water or something like that. One of the best things I ever saw was um, somebody had hooked up to a propane tank, um, one of those um, turkey uh, deep fryer things, that big container Mm -hmm. is perfect for scalding chickens. But yeah. <clears throat> you can even modify that a little bit. 
let's say you're doing turkeys. If you put a big metal trash can on there, heat that water up, that's perfect for turkeys, scalding turkeys. But, um, yeah, you want to get that water scalding early. Um, and that's why you're going to take... 150, 160 degrees, is that, is that, does that memory serve me correct there? Yeah, I think it's 155 or to 165. Okay, okay. But basically what you're going to do is you're going to, you're probably going to, if, if you don't have a meat thermometer at home, go get one. Or you can use a candy thermometer. Don't tell your wife. Clean it before you put it back <laughs> in the kitchen. Um, that didn't come from me, okay? <laughs> um, but you want to you wanna kind of make sure that you're in that temperature range, Um uh, but, you know, keep in mind your temperatures have to vary depending on what species you're working with. And if you are working with turkeys or ducks or geese, it's going to change. And I'm going to bring up my file that tells me the actual go, chart. We don't have to go all the way through. I mean, uh, just, that was one yeah, thing. Yeah, so well, we can waterfowl is much higher. You want right. basically what you're going to do is you're going to um you want to keep the skin intact. So, if you're doing 123 to 130, that's called a soft scald. You're going to keep the bird in there for maybe a minute and a half, 2 minutes. Um you if you're trying to take the outer layer of skin off and some some people do if they're having a real hard time getting some of these feathers off, you're going to raise it up to 138 to 148. Waterfowl goes up to 160 to 180. They need a much higher, very hard scald to get those feathers to loosen. Um, mm-hmm. And so those are those are some of the numbers to share with you. <clears throat> so once you get those birds, you know, you take the first bird, you put it upside down, whether you tie it upside down or you've got a killing cone that you place it in, um, what you're going to do is you're going to cut basically around the ear area, and you're hitting one of the major veins, mm-hmm. and you'll cause the bird to bleed out. Um, some people choose to hit both sides, but you don't want to really cut across the front of the bird's neck because you don't want to panic it. Mm-hmm. It'll stay calmer. Once the bird's bled out, you scald it, you pick it, then you have to get into the actual body cavity itself. So you're going to um, cut with the the side of a knife blade around the vent and um, release the uh, the vent from the rest uh, and the the gut from the rest of the body. Um, then you work up towards the neck. You um, you take the head off. And you find the esophagus, and you find the uh, you find the um, trachea, and you work all the way down the neck until you find the crop. Release it from all its surrounding tissues and push it into the body cavity, and then you just start to slowly but firmly pull all of the intestines out, trying very hard not to break anything. Mm-hmm. What you want everything to do is release all at mm-hmm. once. And you're going to get everything from the heart and the liver and the gizzard. And once you've got everything, all the organs out of the body, then you can separate out the giblets if you want. I'll recommend that you bring a little Tupperware bowl or something where you can put all the livers into one and all the um, 
all the hearts into another one, and then once the day is done, you can kind of clean those and separate them. Um, once you've got the rest of the intestines out, you can discard them. If you want to keep the feet, I have another bowl there ready to, to catch all the feet. Um, but the, your scalding, once you put the bird in there to scald them, kind of to know if you're scalding them at the right temperature, is you'll pinch scales, the yellow scales, on the legs. And if they release mm-hmm. easily, you've done a sufficient scalding. You can pull the bird out then. And, you know, you'll want to pull the rest of those scales off the bird if you're keeping the feet for maybe soup stock or maybe you've got um, uh, friends or neighbors who really like chicken feet and you want to give them to them. Um, Yes, once you've pulled the intestines out, you've taken the neck off, you've taken out the uropygial gland, you want to wash that bird thoroughly. You may have believed that you pulled that bird's intestines out completely without nicking anything. There's a chance that you did. So you want to take a hose or a spray nozzle and spray the inside and outside of that bird before you put it into an ice bath. And you do need to put it into an ice bath. People who go straight from this point without chilling into the oven find an, uh, the bird to be very tough. Um This is supposed to be a young and tender bird, and to make that carcass go through rigor mortis faster, you put it through the chilling process, which should take the bird's body temperature, which by the end of processing is going to be in the 90 degrees or 80 degree zone, down to below 40 degrees Fahrenheit at the thickest part of the breast within four hours. So that means you've got to have maybe a Rubbermaid bin or something where you've just got this huge ice bath ready to go. And you and your local ice producers are going to be best buddies as you chill this bird down or birds down to the appropriate temperature. Once you've got that body temperature at or below 40 degrees Fahrenheit within that four-hour time period, then you can go... um, and put them into Ziploc bags so that you've got individual bags to store them in. You can stick them in your fridge if you're going to use them right away or give them to neighbors if they're going to use them right away. Otherwise, put them in the freezer. It has been documented that small operations do have a higher risk for salmonella just because people don't process as often. There's not as many process controls. And... um, Sometimes people are just, you know, if you're doing it at home, this may not be your priority. And so your your focus is on getting the job done, not necessarily, oh, um, there's a little bit of poop on the table here. I should clean that up right away. Uh, you may choose to wait a minute or two longer than you really should. So some of these things happen. Um, I just recommend that you keep, once your chickens are in the bags, Keep them frozen until you're ready to use them. Um, Once you're ready to use them, pull them out, defrost them in the refrigerator, just like all the the messages from years past tell you to do, and you should be fine. Cook it to 165 degrees Fahrenheit. Don't cross-contaminate in the kitchen. You should be okay. But, yes, salmonella and campylobacter do live in the chicken's gut, And if you should spill any of those gut contents onto your work surface, you should clean it up right away. Once you're all done, you've got to clean and sanitize all surfaces Mm -hmm. and all pieces of equipment. 
So which kind of makes me curious. I'd love to see this plucker um, in action. Maybe uh, Lisa and I can kind of get together, and she can make a video and send it to me when she's got when it, she's got mm-hmm. it in motion. Um, but this is, you know, these smaller pieces of equipment for uh, small holders of flocks are just the kind of thing that I like to to have at events like Cubtastic and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Um, Very cool. I'm Once that plucker is done for the day, you do have to clean and sanitize every inch of its surface. So you need a good sanitizer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've got to do your homework there. Uh, a good sanitizer, you know, maybe parasitic acid. You could use a bleach solution, but only after you use soap and water on everything first. Um, but there you go. I thought I'd share that with uh- you. Oxine, baby, oxine. So, well, I'm not uh, <laughs> sure if it's safe for use on food implements. Oh, not sure. I don't know. Yep. Okay. I don't know. Hey, let's bring Lisa on and uh, see what she has to say. Any questions that she's got that we may not have uh, covered uh, so far in the show. And uh, you know what? I tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take my second break. I gotta get that out of the way. And when we come back, I will bring on Lisa, and she can ask any last-minute questions she may have that we have not covered. So we'll be back right after the short break. Go go. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Strombergs family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Strombergs should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at strombergschickens.com. That's strombergschickens.com. Want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? Nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen Aprons at Hensaver.com. That's Hensaver.com. Give the chicken fountain a try. It's clean water by design. It's a new way to water your flock. Chickens to turkeys to ducks to peacocks. Nothing to lose, so start today. Not a major one. Learn more now, you can't go wrong. Chick 
Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFradio.com. That's GQFradio.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer here to tell you that if you have backyard poultry, nothing is more important than making sure your feathered friends are safe from infectious poultry diseases. Learn the simple steps to keep your birds healthy by visiting this website, healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. That's healthybirds.aphis.usda.gov. A message from the USDA. This looks like a job for Super Chicken. You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit. How would you like a punch in the beak? Actually, in reality, I am Super Chicken. All right, thanks for staying with us uh, through the second break and our final break of today's episode. Don't uh, forget, I am uh, currently in Janesville, Wisconsin, for our big uh, speaking and book signing event tonight. Getting started with Backyard Poultry Workshop, book signing, pictures, autographs, free Chicken Whisper magazines, free information about biosecurity, uh, free refreshments, uh, all kinds of great stuff, prizes, trivia. It's going to be fun tonight. All right, I'm talking today with my good friend, uh, poultry scientist and professor Dr. McCray, and of course we just brought on Lisa Pedro, who is going through this right now with the broiler chickens, and going to process them and writing up a great review for the summer issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine about this brand new yard bird chicken plucker. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. And, um... And, um... <laughs> Hi, Dr. McCray. Hey, Lisa. How are you? Real good. You answered a lot of my questions, and great. some of them. Some of the questions I still have are more or less back-to-basic questions. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I wanted to know is I did non-medicated feed to start them with, mm-hmm. but I've read, I don't remember on which site it was, but they recommended medicated feed. Is is one better than the other, or shouldn't you use medicated feed when you're doing a broiler? These are Stromberg's fast-growing broilers. Okay. Well, Around, we have tried both, and around us, there's just too much coccidiosis on the farm that gets tracked in. So you really have to look at your, your biosecurity, <clears throat> and since everybody has to walk past a particular area, um, I think they pick up things from the rest of the farm, and we do better with uh, medicated starter feed. So you have to know your biosecurity program, and if you see see problems with coccidiosis, um, then you'll know there on out, for every future flock, you should really consider doing medicated chick starter. Uh, other alternative, if you don't want to do medicated chick starter, you can ask your hatchery if they do coccivac. I know McMurray ha- does it. Uh, I don't think Strongberg's does No, they don't. I remember calling them yesterday, and they did not. Ideal does not. But... Um, if you're trying to avoid giving them medications, then just do Coxivac in the hatchery and then stay away from the medicated feed. You're not supposed to give medicated feed if you do Coxivac. Um, one of the things I forgot to mention and I'll, um, is the shavings. 
Softwood shavings like pine shavings are great. Um, there are lots of other things out there. Depending on your region, you might have rice holes, peanut holes, crushed corn cobs, processed paper, sand, that sort of thing. Um, watch caking very closely with some of these things like crushed corn cob, um, chopped haw, uh, straw or hay, processed paper. Um, you got to chop that straw down to really small, and, and mold is a disadvantage. Processed paper tends to cake. All these things are options, but you do have to manage cake. And I'm not talking a sugary sweet treat. I'm talking about around the feeders and waters, they're going to mash it down, and you're going to have to almost daily uh, remove cake from the pen. But what other questions might you have, Lisa, that I failed to address? Just, an, just another basic. Um, it, should you do probiotics and electrolytes for when you're brooding these uh, young broilers? No, you don't have to. Everything they need is already in a, a diet premixed for them. If you want to give something as an extra, just remember when you do electrolytes, you're adding salts. So okay. you need to do it. Um, it's it's salt water, essentially. Uh, you don't do it all the time, and you don't do vitamins all the time. In fact, for broilers, we didn't, and we were no problem. I wouldn't I wouldn't waste my money on, on probiotics or uh, electrolytes or vitamins. I know that the feed's going to do the trick. Bing, bang, boom, done. Okay. Um, one thing I was very glad to hear you address was the fact to keep food in front of them all the time because – you know, a lot of people see the chick, the um, chicken plucker sitting on my hatchery porch, and we've had a lot of conversations, and people have taken interest in the birds and everything, and a couple people have said, oh, do you know you have to restrict the feed from them? No. Like at two weeks old or, or something like that, or don't feed them at night and stuff, you know, so I kept getting odd things, and but I was still getting not... That's not, wrong. Okay. <laughs> Well, They're that's, wrong. That, that's <laughs> what I was, you know, happy to hear you address that. And I guess the only other thing is since they grow so fast, it's different brooding them than brooding, you know, regular layer chicks because they're growing so fast. Their bodies are so warm. Yeah. You know, when I pick them up, they're two weeks old already. They're um, miniature butterballs. Yes, yes. They're like the and, size of grapefruits, large and grapefruits. I'm assuming at this point, though, like at two weeks, I don't really have to worry about keeping them warm or anything like that, you know, well, since we're in Florida. You, you do. I know you're in Florida, but you want to have a thermometer in there, a min-max thermometer, and see what it's getting down to at night because we had kind of a weird March-April this year. Mm-hmm. We started our trial in March. It's – I don't know what it is about my trials, but it's always like the new week it wants to dump snow. And so these chicks always have a real hard start. And then we got really warm towards the end of March, and then we turned cold again. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't have a problem taking the heaters away from the broilers in the last two weeks. But then it turned cold. And I really was watching those temperatures on weather.com and going outside. And, you know, if I needed to drive my hiney back over to the school and put heaters back in, that is exactly what I was going to do. But we never really got down to cold enough for a sustained enough long period for me to feel that that was necessary. And they do put off a lot of heat. Now, I did mention keeping that heat off of them in the summer, but if you want to start these broiler chickens in March or April, you may have to really consider um, <clears throat> a heater that's that meets their needs. And um, 
I I really like the sweeter heaters. We've compared the Brinsey product and the sweeter heaters, and the Brinsey product definitely has its pluses. But when those broilers get big, they don't all fit underneath there anymore. <laughs> and when we come in, it's the funniest thing. When we come in, they all want to stand up, and then all of a sudden you see this Brinsey heater lift up <laughs> and just migrate around the pen when she gets underneath it. It's the funniest thing. You're like, look. It's a hover heater. <laughs> the students think it's hilarious. But um, so for humor, yes, <laughs> it works great. Um, one of the things we did find with the sweeter heaters this year is that if it was adjusted too low, sometimes the birds don't get away from the heat fast enough, and they do kind of singe their feathers. So um, you got to make sure that there's uh, height adjusted appropriately for your heat source, whether it's a heat lamp whether it's a, a sweeter heater or a Brinsey heater, you just need to make sure that you're, it's adjusted appropriately. Like the sweeter heaters um, were perfect. We had to adjust them up, whereas the Brinsey's, we kept adjusting them down because they don't put out as many BTUs, and we just had that terrible cold snap at the beginning. Well, so. my only last question is uh, space requirements. Since mm. they do grow fast, do I always want to leave them enough space to be away from each other or not worry about that? Are they always uh, going to? These are broiler chickens. Life is awesome as a broiler chicken because they pretty much don't care about anything but food or water. They could look at each other, and when they're about three or four weeks old, they're going to get this little hair in their brain where they're like, oh, I'm going to fight you. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I'm fat. No, nah, I'm going to lay down. <laughs> and then you're going to look at these birds and they're you're going to laugh your rear end off because they're like, ah, they're going to get all aggro and go, oh, yeah, I'm fat, and just, like, sit down. So um, if you want them to be a little bit larger, you can give them about a square foot each, but in commercial industry, we go down to 0.8 square feet per bird, and they do just fine. Um, Your feed conversion is um, a little bit worse when you go down in density. Uh, it gets a little better when you go up, so the more space you give them, that's fine. So if you've got a 5x5 five five pen, that's 25 square feet, I'm going to assume you're going to take a foot or two, a square foot or two away for um, feeder and water. If you had 20 birds in there, you'd be fine. Okay, okay. Yeah, right that would be about right because you will have mortality. Yeah, right now they're in a very large, oh, probably 3 foot by 4 foot, since they're still little, 3 foot by 4 foot cage. And that's for at night, and then I've been putting them out in a small 10-foot round pen during the day. Now, does your cage have a wire bottom? No, okay, plastic good. bottom. Okay, good. Because I was going to say, you really don't want that breast meat on a wire cage surface. Um, you don't want to get breast blisters started or anything like that. Good when you have it. them on, out on grass, I do want you to be aware that you could run into a problem with pendulous crop with a few of these birds. Um you know, sometimes if they get a hold of a really long piece of string or a long piece of grass, um, they can't digest it very well, and they may end up with pendulous crop or an impacted crop. So okay. just make sure you're watching for that sort of thing. Okay. And that's something you have to manage around or, heck, that could be your Cornish game pen. <laughs> Four weeks, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> well, so far they're doing wonderful. I'd say, I'd be guessing, but I'd say they're about a pound each already. Now, you should be weighing your birds, and definitely weigh your birds um, 
af- on the day of processing, and then after you have chilled your carcasses, you want to weigh those birds again so you get the what's called dressed or chilled carcass weight. Okay. Uh, and then you'll you know you divide one into the other to get the percentage yield of your carcass. Cool. And that'll tell you, hey, all right, I, you should be at about sixty-five percent. You know, and that's that's or higher. That's mm-hmm. what you're aiming for. Okay. That's without jibbing. And um, and don't forget to save me one or two to fry up <laughs> when I come visiting here uh, th- this summer. So put one in the Only freezer for me. Only if you have a really good fry recipe. Now here's the real challenge, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Who can best barbecue a chicken? Any anybody can fry a chicken. You gotta have real talent if you can charcoal barbecue a chicken, because that light meat and that dark meat cooks different times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There you go. Very, very well, true. thank you and very much. Asked. I appreciate sure. it. Glad, to, glad to help. And we just did this project, so it's all fresh in my mind. Cool beans. All right. Thanks, Lisa, for calling in. Dr. McCray, great show. Thanks for uh, um, providing all the great information for this no uh, episode regarding uh, raising broiler chickens or raising really meat birds because, you know, it could be the dual purpose or the um, or what have you. So uh, perfect information. Thanks so much. It will be archived like all our other shows so people can go back and listen to it for years to come. And we look forward to seeing you. Um, you know what? While I got you on the air, um, I haven't said anything about this on the air because nothing has Uh-oh, been Uh-oh, I didn't signed. do it. I was over here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went to my post pictures. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention something, Andy. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Um, I was going to say tube feeders. I really like tube feeders because they hold a lot of feed. Um, one tube feeder is appropriate for about 33 broilers. Um, But if you do a trough, remember, each side of that trough, like if you have a three-foot trough, you know, each bird's got a couple of inches, but you've got the other side as well. So um, make sure it's big enough for all those heads to get in there at once um, as far as the width of a trough. And if you make a a trough out of wood, um, it needs to be eight foot in length. It needs to have a guard to prevent them from getting in there and... and, um, sitting in there, and prevent them from perching. Because <laughs> even birds still think they can perch. Got but it. I thought I would share that with you, and I forgot to, to mention that early on. All right. Thank you very much. So, um, yeah, for those who are listening today or listening to the archive, um, some exciting news. And, again, nothing's been signed on the dotted line. Nothing's been officially approved. But um, the beginning of next week, we're looking at hopefully two things uh, being approved and funded, and that would be, number one, uh, a revised second edition of the Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens uh, that was authored by myself and Dr. McRae here on the show today. So we're looking at, uh, I'm not I don't even know how long that's going to take, but um, that, that would be number one is the uh, a second edition of our book coming out. Some things will be removed. Some things will be added. Really looking forward to that revision of this uh, really 
great selling uh, book. It's it's really it just baffles me every time I get the numbers from the publisher, and um, a big contributor to that is Lowe's. I mean, they just buy a boatload of my books um, every single season, every single year. So thank you, Lowe's. But they're in Tractor Supply, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Amazon's a big seller. So thanks to all of you guys and and all the retail booksellers that carry it. And then number two, again, keeping our fingers crossed, it is going to going through the formal um, approval process, I would think, next week. And that is, and, and I know we've all just kind of been waiting for this to happen, um, the Chicken Whisperer's Fact or Chicken Poop book, which I'm ecstatic about. And so uh, we're actually uh, kind of getting that developed to um, go through the approval process at the publishers. Well, they're excited about it. They like the idea. And, of course, it'll have um, yours truly, but, of course, the true experts that answer these statements that we find on blogs and forums and now TV shows about backyard chickens. Um, uh, Craig, Dr. Patisky, uh, Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, and we'll bring some more in, maybe some from top universities, NC State, Auburn, uh, and we'll just have to start. In fact, I think I have, um, not to put you on the spot, Dr. McRae, I'm not sure who I'm going to filter. I was here uh, the whole actually, time. Uh, so, and I know you are. Um, I'm not sure if um, how I'm going to throw this, but that I've got the next factor chicken poop um, question or statement, and and I don't know. I have no clue. I mean, some of these actually may be fact, which is great. Um, we're not trying to diss everybody. We want the right information out there. So some of this information ends up being fact. That's great. We're not just going out saying let's find everything that's going to be false and, and burn these folks. That, that's not the goal. So, so some of this may truly be factual information, but the next one we're going to review, I'm not sure who I'm going to give this to yet, is the statement of Red pepper flakes increase egg production. Um, and that. <laughs> I think we already know the answer based on your response, but we, <laughs> we will, that's going to be the next one. As a, as, a, as a statement, red pepper flakes increase egg production. And that's, that's the next one that we're going to tackle, baby. And so okay. uh, that's what the book what the book's all about. So um, if you have not seen the most recent one, please go to factorchickenpoop.com. Take a look. It's a fabulous response by Dr. McRae uh, responding to a statement uh, that And part of what they wrote was true, remember, Andy? Yep, exactly right. And exactly. we supported it. Yes, so uh, so and that's that's our goal here is to really weed out the the, the fact and the the poop. And uh, again, some of this may we though there may be truly occasional facts for information, but we're going to find out for our, for you folks. Uh, that's what we do. So um, thanks, Lisa, for calling in. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Dr. McRae, thanks for everything you do, and um, we'll see you on uh, the first Thursday of next month. Thanks, Andy. You bet. Thank you very much. That's going to wrap up another episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Brought to you by Kalmbach Thieves. Hope to see a lot of you tonight in Janesville, Wisconsin for uh, the big event tonight. And that's going to be at, I believe it's Jack and Dick's Feed and More here in Janesville, Wisconsin. And I don't believe I've bluffed that up, but, but nonetheless. And so uh, we want to thank Kalmbach Feeds for sponsoring the show and the tour. Kalmbach. From our family to yours. 
Feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Hello, folks. Thanks for tuning in today. We uh, um, are planning, I think, on broadcasting next Tuesday and uh, next Thursday as well, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can follow us, of course, on Facebook, get an idea of where we're going to be, what we're going to be doing on this tour. And uh, we thank you. Thank you very much for being a fan of the Chicken Whisperer, home of Fact or Chicken Poop. God bless everybody. Uh.